Hello everyone and welcome back to Her Creative Freedom Podcast. Today I am very honored to have my dearest friend Amber Capina on the show as my very special guest. I have to say this because this is how I felt when I first started my podcast and I knew I was going to do a podcast and you launched your podcast not to like as soon as you saw yours I was like oh that's what I'm doing and I was really excited and then I was like I'm going to have her on my podcast and if you've ever had an experience where you've met someone famous or where you've experienced yourself (laughs) fangirling, I knew like four months ago that I was going to have Amber on my show and I was so fucking nervous and I thought I wouldn't be able to do it because I was going to be fangirling and like hot and sweaty, but I'm actually okay. Of course you're okay. (laughs) So thank you for joining me today. Oh my gosh, you made me hot and sweaty. Um, so yeah, I want to start with introduction of the greatness that you are, if you could introduce yourself. Sure. Okay, so I, I feel like there's so many things I could say about myself, but I guess there the is. biggest thing to know about me is that my commitment to my spirituality is my priority. It became my priority because I had a childhood that had quite a bit of trauma in it and at one point I just knew that I couldn't have my life like this anymore. So I really went into the world of spirituality and self-development and now it's just my complete and total priority. I love holistic food, I'm a mother, I am a goofball, I am all over the place. So that's a little tidbit about me. (laughs) She is an amazing mother, she's an amazing wife, she has a podcast. That you should all follow, and I'll put her podcast link in my description of this episode as well, because you have to check it out. Great, great information. It makes you feel just so connected and happy and put together. It's really great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, going into what you what you do, yes, um, you kind of already said it, but is there any significant moment that you can remember that you knew that you wanted to go this direction? I'm actually thinking as I say this, the story that you said about how you thought you were a witch. <laughs> Yeah. Can you tell that? <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? When I was little, like from a very young age, I knew that I wasn't going to have a normal job. I knew that I wasn't going to be in a career that was five days a week. I knew that I was meant to do something that was special and inspiring. And for a long time when I was a kid, I was just infatuated with the world of magic. I was infatuated with the world of possibility and I loved Halloween Town, still love Halloween Town. If you haven't watched it, it's my favorite movie. And I would always watch these shows that had magic in it. And I remember as a kid thinking like, there's no way that this is not possible and that this is just on TV. And it was just such a certain knowing inside of me. And so I wouldn't say that I knew at a young age that I was going to do spiritual healing because for a long time I struggled a lot with spirituality or religion in general. But I, I did, I remember the first time my grandmother struggled with kidney disease. And so she had, she was on dialysis for years and then she had to get a kidney transplant. And I remember at one point it was getting really bad. Like she was just really not doing well. And I had never prayed because I just believed it didn't work. And because, you know, I mean, you see your family praying and I was like, it doesn't work. Like they're yeah, not getting things that they want. Mm-hmm. 
And then one night I decided to pray for my grandma and I decided to pray for her to get a kidney. And I was very young, like probably like seven. And that night my mom woke me up and we had to go to the hospital because my grandma had got like picked for a transplant. And I remember in that moment, I was like, it works. And then I felt like I did that. I felt like not, not I got for the transplant, but I felt like I contributed in some way to like the stars and the energy and the consciousness aligning for her to have that. And so I remember that was a very pivotal moment for me in believing in something bigger that I asked for something from the unknown and it happened that moment. But for a long time, I also thought that I was meant to be a performer and a singer or, or, um, uh, celebrity of some kind. She is. She is a celebrity. People. Oh my gosh, that is honestly famous. hilarious that you even say that because I'm not. But I, I truly like loved Hollywood. But again, like there was this. It felt like they knew something or they had something that was just non-existent in this world. But so I thought it was performing or something. I knew I was meant to like be in front of people. But then as I decided at 19 to do a spiritual or sorry a self development course, I had this shift and it, it really propelled me all of a sudden towards healing and and the unknown and meditation and so it was really like this pivotal moment for me that took me towards this world and it wasn't until probably a few years ago that I understood that my desire to perform and and be in front of people wasn't necessarily for me to always sing in front of people but also to to use my ability to to express myself as a way to guide people to, yeah. to to an experience. Use your voice kind of thing. Yeah, and so I I just had an inner knowing that I was meant for more and that the life that I was living in in this childhood and the experiences I saw my family members have or extended family members have, I just knew it wasn't for me and that I was different. And so that was kind of like the inner knowing that yeah. I was meant to do something more. What happened multiple times was when I went and saw different spiritual healers, they always told me that I had a gift I wasn't sharing yet. And I remember in that moment, I'd be like, fucking tell me. Do you care if I swear on your mouth? No, I don't care. Sorry, anything about that. <laughs> um, I would be like, tell me. I need to know. Like, I just wanted this, like, validation of, like, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And so it was, you know, now that I've done my journey to where I'm at, it's just my whole journey has been about understanding and validating my own intuition, mm-hmm. my own guidance and what's right for me instead of seeking out someone else to tell me. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they seek out like, give me the answer, psychics, give me the answer. What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? And so I had a few moments with other healers where they kind of gave me the nudge of like, you yeah. know something, you feel something, are you going to follow it? But that, it took me a while to understand what that was, but I was always leaning into following the guidance of like if I felt like I was supposed to sign up for a course or a program or work with someone I would do it I would never hesitate I would never say no and I really just kind of chose it and you yeah and you're like you said your inner knowing was at 19 and that's pretty young well my inner knowing was like from a child that I was meant for more yeah I had no idea what that meant but I looked at life and I knew it was meant to be more magical I knew it was meant to be more fulfilling and more joyful I knew there wasn't meant to be fighting and screaming I knew there wasn't meant to be scarcity and lack I knew there wasn't meant to be tension or or violence or coping mechanisms or escapism And, and as a child I lived into my one of my coping mechanisms from a child was like escape into dreamland so I would always 
go to sleep early. I would put headphones in and listen to music or like, you know, your tape, your what's that called? A Walkman? Yep. I would listen to like music and imagine a different life. And so I spent a lot of time in dreamland, which is it like can be very beneficial. But when you're doing it 24 seven, like I was, it was very much so a coping mechanism, but it also yeah. gave me vision. It, it let me become a visionary for my life. And so I had an inner knowing I was meant for more. But when I signed up at 19 for uh, with the course that I did was the landmark forum was someone told me it will change your life. And I thought I need to change my life. It wasn't, it wasn't ever about me, me becoming more. It was yeah. about me needing to change my current circumstance, my internal reality, my relationship to myself, my life in general. So my 19-year-old decision was like, You were doing it to life. better yourself yes. and better your life, and it yeah. kind of just led you down. And in that, with the journey that, she's, that, that she took in healing humans, she also has a beautiful gift of healing animals, which I, when I first was introduced to Amber and I went on her website to book an appointment with her and I saw that she did spiritual or healing on animals, I thought that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that aspect of you. So what, what experiences have you had with that? What would people heal? Like what would people need? Oh, for their gosh. animals. People sometimes are like more willing to heal their animals themselves. <laughs> it's funny because... Animals are so much easier to heal because they don't have the resistance. They don't have the ego mind interrupting. So usually you can work on an animal for like 20 minutes versus a human or a person can take... 20 years. Multiple sessions, right? (laughs) So a lot of animals I only saw once a couple I would see more than once but I it would range like most of the time I worked on dogs and cats um I went from like I worked on horses too and I've worked on goats before and usually what people want to heal is like aggression in dogs okay that makes sense um or a cat that had something happen and then just started screaming all night so it was like the people couldn't sleep because their cat was so loud I did heal a dog that was basically facing death so in the session it was the intention of the session was either it could use the healing to pass on or it could use the healing to you know rejuvenate and, and come back to mm-hmm. to a healed self it chose to like i had a message from the girl for so long it's so funny people you do things and then you don't know what happens people people don't tell you what happens after their sessions <laughs> but then a few months later she told me that her dog like the next day, I went from no walking and not doing anything to, like, it was running around, chasing its Aww. tail and eating again. So animals can be really receptive. And I've worked on lots of rescues. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I took energy work, healing, and then I blended the other training that I had on animals. And it's... That's so cool. Yeah. And to animals, it, it'll also... I mean, even with our children, we as the adult can project our own experience onto our own belief system. So sometimes an animal would start healing, but the owner now has this expectation of of it behaving a certain way. Instead of holding space and visualizing the way that they desire the animal to be, Mm -hmm. they would hold on and be very attached to the old way. So the dog or the animal would show improvement and then all of a sudden return back to its old self. And that oftentimes isn't because of the dog, but because the the person has not changed. An animal is ultimately a reflection of its owner. That's so true. Oh, that's I've never heard that quote before. Mm -hmm. And animals are reflection. And it's so true because I think a lot of people don't, they just get this pet and they don't, 
consider the fact that they do feel your emotion. Um, that's a different podcast that I could go about animals, but they are very connected to their humans and they feel and they see what you see and feel what you feel mm-hmm. for sure. So going into... Well, I can tell you something that you might like about oh, tell animals. Tell me. <laughs> I love everything about animals. So what's... So animals are different, right? Like dogs are drawn to positive energy. That's why if they feel or sense fear, they can get more aggressive. Whereas cats are more drawn to negative energy. So that's why when people are like, I hate cats and this cat won't leave me alone. It's all over me. They can feel it. But what cats do is they pull energy and then they transmute it. So they'll transmute it and heal it by sleeping or by laying in the sun to, to alter them. So if someone is, has has negative energy in them, the cat can sense it and goes closer to them. Yeah, and it'll, it'll, it's an attempt to pull the energy from them. So cats, I always call them healers because I when I had a cat, I loved my cat. She was the best. She would like lay on me when I was in emotion and she would pull energy from me and transmute it. And oftentimes... You'll notice that when you're happier, a dog will be around you, but sometimes if you're in a negative mood, the dog doesn't necessarily hang out beside you. No. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean... I mean, animals are companions, so, like, I mean, a dog will have loyalty. Like, dogs have loyalty and relationships. Like, it's... You'll heal those stories. That's beautiful. So, they will be around their owner, but it's, um... It's not... Like, it's not a blanket statement. Like... I'm not saying all dogs will avoid you if you're in a bad mood, because oftentimes, too, they will they be your yeah. companion and they'll comfort you. But they're intuitive, too. Yeah, but they're not as drawn to it, and they tend to be way more... Like, if you watch my dog, Shaggy, if, you, so if you're cute. with me and you hang out with him, so he's cute. very intuitive when it comes to people who have addictions. So if there is someone who it comes over that has an addiction issue, or that is a rant, or that we walk past that has an addiction issue, he turns crazy he goes but he's a rescue so he came from a drug house so he's he's very aggressive towards that but then anyone else he'll like be a lap dog he'll cuddle you he'll he will not you. stop licking you he won't and stop giving licking you all you, the love but if he knows that you have addiction issues or you have heaviness he gets a little bit defensive and protective crazy i love that yeah so i've worked with amber before um as one of her clients um, so I know the impact that she has made for me and my life and I've been part of her groups and her programs and they are absolutely phenomenal. So I get to also witness the impact that she's making in other people's lives. And it's one of those situations where you, you truly don't know what it's like until you've experienced it yourself. And at the same time in saying that for the people that maybe won't ever work with her, I feel like it's my mission because I have to like tell people how incredible it has been for me in my life because I would not be literally sitting here. Well, okay, would I sit be sitting here with the podcast? Probably, but it would be it would have went a lot differently. But she's been a huge impact in my life for the things that I have now, and I just give a lot of credit to her for that, um, hugely. So in saying that, I know why you did this because I've I've worked with you, but I want you to say why you do what you do. Well, first off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take any credit for your evolution and healing. All I did was show you what you already knew was possible for yourself. And sometimes that's what people need is like a fucking reminder. You know what I mean? Like you have so much potential and power inside of you. And it's it's almost like you just need to be shown it again. Yeah. 
and you need to all of a sudden develop faith and certainty in all of the things that you can do. And so, I mean, essentially what I do is I heal your consciousness. I heal the layers and blueprints that exist in your consciousness that are that can be wounded or can be fear-based or can be lack-based or doubt-based. And we rewire them into a healed pattern. So like, let's use you for example. Like yeah. how would you have described yourself when we had first met? Like, what was probably the biggest theme? Of what I was healing? Yeah. My eating disorder. Right. And so what do you believe caused your eating disorder? I would say childhood trauma, but also the trauma within relationship. And so what, this is what, this is a great example, okay? So someone will come and and seek out healing for a specific issue, right? So let's call it the eating disorder. The eating disorder is your solution to the actual problem. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we discover, so... We find out you ex- you're experiencing something, but this is a manifestation of something else. It's the way that we learned to to yeah. try and solve our problem, to try and cope our problem, cope, cope with it, and to try and feel something different. Every behavior is an attempt to get a need, an emotional need, met. So eating disorders, the consciousness of them is self hate. So if we go and we look, okay, well, a childhood trauma might have triggered it or imprinted it. In those moments, as a child, you might have felt like you were not who you should be. Maybe you felt like you were supposed to be a certain way for the people around you to be approved of. Yeah. And and I was just going to say, and, and with control. So mm-hmm. in my childhood, I didn't have control over a lot of more traumatic things that happened in my life. I witnessed too much that I at a young age. And I had no control over a lot of things that happened. So working with Amber, that is what it taught me is that it was a coping mechanism and I th- I thought for years that that was the problem my eating disorder was the problem heal that <laughs> but um going into as far back as I could and actually like journaling like what can I remember as a kid and actually sit with how it made me feel mm-hmm. and it was that moment I was in my backyard and I was journaling about everything and I was feeling how I could feel it as I was writing it on paper how it made me feel and then it kind of made me realize like I I had no control over those situations, but that was the one thing myself was the one thing I did have control over. And that's how I coped with everything I didn't have control on in my life. And it really took off and kind of just like bled into everything up until my 20s until I finally learned more about myself and my life. Yeah. And control of how you feel about yourself, right? So this... If I can feel this way about myself, I can control how I look, I control how I perceive myself, I can control the way that I eat. But all of it comes down to this self-love and this ability to accept fully as you are. And when you accept, sometimes you release control. That can be very uncomfortable for people. It can be very challenging because I don't want to give up control because there's this level of certainty that I know when Mm -hmm. I behave this way or I engage this way, I get a certain result. But what we don't know is that uncertainty is the place where possibility exists. It's the place where miracles and healing exist. And when we let go and surrender and go into it, we actually discover that there is a different possibility because you can actually feel yeah. even better than what you're trying to feel through your certain coping mechanism yeah. or behavior. Yeah. And that's what I was that's what I was thinking was when you said when you go towards the known because you know what the result is. Mm-hmm. M- at least from my experience, that result was never a good one. <laughs> 
And it doesn't matter if it's good. All that matters, this is what sometimes people don't understand with healing. They're like, we actually are attached to the things oftentimes that cause us pain, not because we like them, but -hmm. because they're familiar, because we know them, because we understand them, because we have a level of certainty with them. And so we struggle oftentimes with realizing the thing that we say we desire the most, we actually don't want, like love. Yeah. Like like self-acceptance because we have this tough time giving up our certain control mechanisms or our certain behaviors because we have such a strong relationship with them. Yeah, and that's sometimes, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the people who experience true self-confidence and true self-love, to somebody else that is not frowned upon, but it's a very unknown feeling. I'm actually stepping into my confidence mm-hmm. and I'm like not sure like it's it's great it's a great not sure but I'm like I'm not sure really what's happening yeah because you're not used to it um, so that's what I'm trying to get at is like yeah. the uncertainty of being confident in yourself is new yeah this is you, where often people will start sabotaging yeah so that they're like oh fuck this is unfamiliar so then they go they back, go back. and yeah. I can so relate to that because that is what happened for me for a long time now that we're just on the topic of, of the eating disorders because that was what mine was but as soon as I felt like I had that option of choosing healing or choosing what I already knew it was very scary I knew what choosing food and all that stuff what looked like but I knew it wasn't the right thing mm-hmm. and as soon as I was like no I'm gonna choose my healing I'm gonna choose my healing it got dark and scary and so difficult that oftentimes before I would go to the known because it was so incredibly scary to sit with the healing. It is. But I, through working with your programs and having a community around us of like, it's really nice to have a community around you that are going through different things but similar emotions because then when they do something that you are trying to also do yourself, they give you that reassurance that like when you do actually choose healing, it's incredible. I have no reason to doubt my healing. No, because that's, like, even going back to as a child, I knew magic existed. Healing showed me it does. Yeah. Healing showed me that there is so much energy and consciousness and potential that we can tap into, and we don't. We act powerless. We act We act with limitation. We act in this very third-dimensional, dense, material way. And we don't realize that if there's so many subtle energies we can work with Mm -hmm. to heal these patterns and consciousness blueprints that take you from these patterns into a more healed version of yourself so now like you said you were going through this eating disorder which was this layer of trauma from your childhood as well as this need for control and ultimately a need for self-love yeah it was all about self-love and confidence Mm -hmm. for me too so what we do is, going back to like what I do, is, is the, the, we heal the consciousness blueprint. So your, your consciousness holds blueprints for everything that you could think of, okay? It holds a blueprint for anger. It holds a blueprint for abundance. It holds a blueprint for love, for peace, for joy, for fear, for infertility, for OCD, for perfectionism. We can go in and we can discover what these look like and what they feel like and reprogram them into their healed opposite. So we took this, these layers of you energetically and in your consciousness and we repatterned them into a healed version of you. We healed 
um, moments from your timeline of your childhood. We've healed layers of the way that you visualize yourself. We've healed subconscious and unconscious aspects of yourself so that in this reality, in this conscious state of mind, in this time space, you begin to express a different pattern. Yeah, really started working with you and I got to witness that for a long time and for a lot of people, going in to face the things that you don't want to face can be incredibly difficult and scary, but it's so worth it in the end. And that is when the way that you explain it, it sounds very simple. And it is simple. It is simple. <laughs> but in our it's brains, simple but very complex. That's the thing with healing is is it's it's very simple, but it's extremely complex. Just like how in your body, like a cell is a simple thing. But the way that the cell functions and the the even like when you break the cell open and you find everything that's inside of it, it is complex. Yeah. But it's a simple thing. And I think the biggest thing that I literally tell everyone when I talk about you and my own life and how far I've come and everything is that when you when you push past the feeling of how hard it's gonna be, it's so worth it in the end. And We've always heard that, you know, we did this, but it was worth it in the end. But it's it's worth it through the entire thing. I don't really know if there's ever an ending, but it, it's, it's just worth it. And I want people to know that if you are resisting something that might even for a second, whether it's actually a benefit to you or not, if you're resisting something, just go for it because you'll take something away from it no matter what. And for the amount of things that I have learned about myself, even just having confidence in myself... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was worth it. And the whole world needs to know. It is worth it. And sometimes our resistance, we don't even know that that's what's happening. We're like, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Or I'm too busy when my, like when my busyness lightens up a little bit. Yeah. That's all an unconscious expression of resistance. Your experiences with your work. Where has it taken you? What are the things that you've done with your group programs per se you've done obviously you've done a lot of one-on-ones but I know um you've done a lot of group things as well Mm -hmm. well my healing like I started it to heal myself and that was my focus for a long time until I felt like I was equipped enough to be Mm -hmm. of service to someone else and I don't think you have to be fully healed to help people heal but I knew that sometimes people want to rush into being a healer instead of focusing on themselves first so that was really my priority was like I gotta be the best version of me or I gotta at least be working towards the best version of me and get some work under my belt before I can before I can start so I spent a lot of time doing one-on-ones then I started doing some smaller group work where I'd have only I think 10 people I would start yeah I would work with 10 people and it kind of started as just like a building a bit of a community and at first I didn't really understand how much community would be a part of my mission but it kind of started as like what if it what it would be like to be around other people that thought the same as you Mm -hmm. because that was something I never had and I wanted to create this space so I I mean I've done so many things at one point I, I mean I studied holistic nutrition so I was taking nutrition clients And then I I saw that there was things that needed to be healed energetically. So then I would do kind of like a combo of healing and nutrition packages. Oh, that's so cool. And then I took my animal healing training, so I started doing that. And then I took shamanism training, so then I started um, doing, doing more 
of that with space clearing, so like healing people's homes. And now it's really evolved after, I mean, I held healing circles and and did like live events. And now my my work has really shifted. So one of the things that I noticed was that people dabble. And people are like, I, ha- I would have people come and see me like once a year. And they would do like a one-on-one. And then they would be like, oh, I've been healing with Amber for two years. And I'd be like, that, you, you, you've healed with me for two, like we've done two hours of work together. That's about two years. And, and people, this was like a theme I was seeing was people were saying, oh, I've been doing my healing for this many years, but I knew that they weren't actually doing it. And I mean, healing became my life and it will, it will be my life for the rest of it my life. It is your life. Yeah. It is my life. And, um, and so I noticed that people were dabblers. And so what I wanted to do after I had Harlow and I, I took a nice break of like being a mom and then when you become a mom, when you're in this world, you becoming a mother surfaces even more of your stuff that needs to be healed. And so I spent a good majority of the first year of Harlow's life like doing deep, intense healing and going through some of the... It was funny because it was like the most joyful, happy time of my life. Like I was so madly in love. I had never experienced love like that. She was just... It was the best experience mm-hmm. while surfacing all my pain. And so it was like pain that I mean pain that I hadn't dealt with yet and like yeah. traumas that I hadn't hadn't unearthed and so it was like this interesting you know dark light situation but it was so transformative for me but then what I wanted to do was I wanted to take my life to the next level and I knew again it was like this calling where I was like I'm missing my work I'm missing what I'm doing like my I am a multidimensional being I'm multifaceted and and being a stay-at-home mom is one of my biggest priorities, but I cannot let my mission yeah. fall to the side. And and I know that I would, if I looked back at my life and didn't continue doing healing and just, you know, just stayed as a stay-at-home mom, I would feel unfulfilled. And what yeah. I love about my work is that I can do amazing things and, and be a full-time stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And so I now focus, I took more spiritual development and more coaching programs and I worked specifically with Tony Robbins he's amazing he's amazing and I mean he's so well known but like no one is fucking Tony Robbins I mean like he just is so good so I've done multiple programs I mean I spent like over $20,000 in coaching in the past year and it was the best thing ever because it showed me what my next level was it showed me what I was supposed to be doing and so I decided to create my own like signature program so what I did was I blended the world of spiritual healing with like spiritual coaching so taking like coaching principles and and blending it with the healing world and so I created soul mastery which you took and it's amazing and thank you so much and it's now like that is my it's my baby like I will be nurturing it I will be growing it I will be evolving it and that is an eight-week program that will one day I'm going to turn into a three-day retreat so there will be the options of doing the eight-week online or a three-day retreat and then I am doing a higher level program that I would call um, the Soul Rising, which is the four-month program where weekly I do trainings and healings. We have a community hour and it's for four months so that you, I mean, I, I mean, I declared this to you, Cassie, I think I was telling you about it, that I just no longer work with people who aren't invested in, in becoming yeah. their best selves. And it's not uh, a, like a slight or a plight or whatever that word is on anyone. It's not a hit or a, a thing. It's just, 
I know what I can show people they can create, but you can't create it by doing one session here and there. And you can't create it if you're not open to receiving it either. Exactly. And so that was my, like, that's where I'm at right now, where I work with people who are ready to do the steps, are ready to do the work that I don't need to, you know, tell them, motivate them to that to change their life. I don't need to like show them and be like, you have things deep within you that need to be healed and your life is on the other side of those things. These people already know that. They're ready to like take the plunge, take the leap of faith. What they need is the steps. They need the teachings. And so those are the people that I'm working with now. And a lot of them too have similar, you know, patterns of like binging patterns or eating disorders or um, feeling like they're meant for more and they're not doing anything about it. And that is, is, am I answering the question? I don't know. I feel like I went off. (laughs) No, you, you steered into what you're doing now, which is perfect. We wanted to talk about what you do and, and the experiences that it's taken you. And this is where it's taking you. And I can say, because I've done her programs um, and I'm, I'm a part of her community is that when I started, I was definitely someone who would journal and feel like I just, well, okay, when you journal, you do make a step forward, but I would just always write it and I would never really put it into action. Or I knew I was meant for more, but I didn't really know how or like what to do when I knew. So going and being a part of this community, just like you're, you're literally in a community of people who also know that they're meant for more. And together we figure out how we're doing it. We're all doing different things, but we all figure out how we do our own different things. And whether I'm feeling or, you know, going through something, somebody will write in that they're feeling this certain emotion and I am feeling that emotion too. So it's just a very great community to have. The community is the best. It's literally they're, the fucking best. Incredible. It, incredible. It, there's been so many times in my day where I'll feel something and I'll be like, I just need to go to my community. And I, I'll just like write in the group and be like, this is how I'm feeling. And like every Sunday is like a blessing because it just... It's like church. We have like our own church. We do. And it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing because you can just show up and be. And a lot can happen in a fucking week, okay? And then Sunday comes and I just feel like that's like not even the restart. It's just the like... It keeps you moving forward. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a great community. And, and you know, when when you want to join programs or of self-development of any kind, it's always just nice to be in a not, well, not just a one-on-one, but a program because then you know that you're going to be with like-minded individuals most often and people that you can turn to and relate to and see their success, which then makes you want to be more successful and like you just like it's a ripple effect. Totally. So yeah, it's a great community. Now, because you did mention that this is this is your life, it is the way you live your life, it's your lifestyle, yeah. how did you integrate it into your relationship with your husband, Jesse, or your daughter, Harlow, or your family? Well, that's a, that could be a very long-winded answer. It could be an answer, but I just love it because your oh, your family's just so admirable. Like, goals. <laughs> My family's going to be like this. You know what? Like, <laughs> yes, your family will be like this. Like, one of the things, I mean, I introduced Jesse to the self-development and spiritual world, and he jumped with both feet in. And one of the things that also Jesse's beginning to discover is how much medicine and teachings and wisdom he has to offer people. And so one of the things that, I mean, Jesse took the landmark form after I had told him about it on our first date. He signed up for it. And he's, he always tells the story. He's like, you know, I signed up for this self-development course because I wanted to impress Amber. I was like, I'm going to get into her pants. I'm going to sign up for this <laughs> course. And he's like, I went there and it changed him. And so it, 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 it like a, 
I'm like, what is the word? It, like, awoke dormant parts of him that he didn't know existed. Yeah. But he also always, too, like, when you listen to Jesse talk, you know he has an inner knowing he's meant for more. And so we use it in our relationships. He's that person who, when he learns something, he embodies it immediately. He, If he learns that he shows up a certain way, which he learned a lot of things about himself in his self-development course, he didn't he immediately addressed them when he had the awareness. So if it would, if a certain pattern would show up in our relationship from his past, he would immediately address it. And so he honestly was like such a good catalyst for even me to take the next mm-hmm. level because, you know, when we're in our in our shit, our relationships are the easiest thing to take your like your shit out on. You know, yeah. the person that you're closest to, you will project all of your stuff onto. You will you will blame them. You will. They will be, you all had a bad day at work and then they're the one who pays for it. And so the way that Jesse took accountability was so inspiring, empowering that it honestly made me level up and me be like, okay, now, now when I show up and, or I have my stuff come up or I'm being bratty or I'm giving the silent treatment or I'm withholding love or now I'm getting mad at him for something, instead of letting that pattern dominate me, the moment I have awareness of it, I interrupt it. And mm-hmm. so, honestly, the biggest thing that we do is we embody, like, when something's coming up, we communicate. Hey, this is what's coming up for me. This is what I'm feeling. And we talk it out. And then we also hold space for the other person. So we listen instead of, you know, listening to, to respond. We listen to hear that person. And we also know when we need to take breaks and when we need to go outside and take a few deep breaths or, like, be like, hey, we're going to separate for, like, five minutes calm our nervous system down, breathe, and then come back and communicate from a more grounded space. So we implement the teachings that, I, I mean, if you ever want to do any of our relationship stuff, that I do have a relationship course with him. We're going to be teaching more relationships stuff coming forward. But there's so many teachings that we embody that's kind of hard to like say how do we implement it. But we just, the teachings that we have of healing and of awareness, and the awareness we have of ourself, we use it in the moments when it's easy to not behave that way when it's Mm -hmm. easy to be mad or it's easy to be angry it's easy to blame it's easy to react and I I don't am I answering the question it's such a hard thing to no you are and I think it's really good because relationship many multiple people in this world are in relationships and a lot of times they experience the same things over and over again over and over and over and over again so it's just honestly like you and Jesse that are so open to talking about like what you do because you are you are people just like everybody else, but you guys have put in the work mm-hmm. to become who you are now. I've taken that relationship course, by the way. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's very insightful. It makes you think about what you're doing and where you can improve. And something that I've really learned to do myself in my relationship too is like when I do feel an emotion coming, and, and tell me if you do this, but do you ever address it? Well, maybe not now because you've been with you're married to Jesse been a while but for me I'd have to be like this is what's coming up I think this is where it's coming from which is nothing to do with us right now mm-hmm. and then we talk about it he leaves space for me we it almost like brings it to an understanding because for me anyways it was a lot of like past yeah I mean I would do that I'd be like listen you're making me feel like my dad did yeah <laughs> yeah that's true that's an and example. it has nothing to do with you because now I and I mean, it, it takes development to like understand that like where it's coming something from. happens 
in any in any situation, okay, Cassie, if me and you got into a fight right now, I wouldn't be fighting with you. I'd be fighting with an experience that my consciousness no, identifies as similar. Yeah. So that could be grade six when I felt bullied or, or grade <laughs> nine when I felt betrayed. So it literally doesn't matter. Most often it's just triggering a past experience and then you fight from that space instead of what's actually happening. So that's a great thing to do is be like, hey, listen, you're uh, right now I feel like I'm being lectured by my dad. And I get that you're not my dad. That's not what's happening. I need to take a few deep breaths and collect, like maybe journal about how I feel. And then I'll have a little bit of a clear mind to listen to you. But also one of the things that I think is so important in relationships, just as like one blanket statement is like understanding your partner's trauma is a love language. Yeah. It is something that will cause you to be able to understand their patterns. Yeah. How to support them when their stuff comes up. How to how to hold space for them, how to treat them so that you don't start all of a sudden thinking about yourself when they're clearly in their own emotion. And so I love if you're that. in a relationship, like get to know your your partner's trauma, their past, their relationships with Everything. their parents, their issues, what makes them feel unheard, what makes them feel unseen, what, what makes them feel not wanted or desired or appreciated so that you can begin to understand them on a deeper level. It also brings you closer you know, you're getting to know the person that you're choosing to be with, so it's automatically going to bring you closer. But when you start to understand, you know, their traumas and their past, it really does truly, truly, truly help you navigate. Like, your fight might not be as bad as it would have been if you learned your partner and learned their traumas. Mm-hmm. And I'm now with a partner in my life for the first time ever that we're doing that. Yeah. So I have two comparisons in my life where I can say <laughs> that it's a lot easier and... It does, every moment that we have where I might be triggered by something, it brings us closer and like, because we just understood each other a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it really just offers you the space of having more compassion and empathy for the person that's in front of you because we forget they're human. Yeah. We, you know, in relationships, we think about ourselves, what they're going to give us, how they're going to make us feel. And we forget that they're human. They have their own experiences and how can we contribute to them? Yeah. And now you're... I'm going to say you're a new mom, but you've been a mom for two years, I guess. Uh, yeah. And she's the cutest. When you, before you had Harlow or when you had Harlow, obviously you wanted to bring her into your beautiful world. Yeah. What was that like? Was it hard? Was it easy? What, did you know how? You know what's so funny is everyone's like, the newborn stage is the hardest. I'm like, the newborn stage is the easiest. Like, all she did sleep. Like, we took a conscious parenting course when she was a newborn, and I learned so much, but it was also one of those times where I'm like, I'd like to take it again now that she has her big emotions. Yeah. To, like, to have real-life experience, because they'd be like, any questions, Amber and Jesse? And we'd be like, her baby's, like, just, she's sleeping, she nurses, she's like, she, you know, it was just like... Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. but so, but we did prepare ourselves, which I'm super grateful for. But I mean, one of the things that she gifted me was to pay attention to my motherly intuition instead of the way that society tells you to raise your kids. And one of the things that I honestly like, I don't even care if it pisses people off. Like, our culture is so fucked with the way that we dampen a child's spirit or we we immediately mm-hmm. want them to be separated. We immediately want them to learn how to be alone. We immediately want them to learn how to self-soothe. I mean, like, when I was nurse, when I had Harlow uh, as a baby, like, newborn, 
nurses were telling me, don't nurse her to sleep. Let She needs to self-soothe. You need to like, and I was like, first of all, stay in your lane. Like what parenting courses have you taken? You yeah. know, like I appreciate nurses and, I, and I'm so grateful for them. And I, they do a lot of hard work out there for us. But parenting advice is not one of their lanes. And so Everyone's I also different. worked with a breastfeeding specialist doctor because I had every problem under the moon uh, with breastfeeding. And she was like, absolutely not. Nurse your baby to sleep. That's what they're designed to do. And she was she had a more of a, a holistic approach in that sense of like, you know, so there was things that society tells you to do that it felt wrong in my body. And Cassie, I know I've shared a bunch of stories with you about how there were certain things that I had, it was like an alarm system going yeah. off in my body. And that's the only way I can describe it is when my intuition was saying, don't do that. That's wrong. That's wrong. And there was a couple times that I bypassed it, which was what caused me to know, never dismiss that feeling. Yeah. So I had a few experiences that really was like, it felt like my intuition was being like, listen, bitch, you're not doing that again. You're listening to when it comes up because this is the result when you don't ha- when you don't listen to it. So, I mean, I was like convinced I was going to sleep train. I still co-sleep with Harlow. I will never kick her out of my bed. It's like what every other culture that you look at, like they think it's crazy. You would put your baby in another room, you know, and, and if you look at species, OK, like animals, yeah. the way that they're born, they're born walking. They're born you know, mostly independent. They're able to, to to do things on their own. We're like one of the only species that is extremely dependent. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. And, and we're, I mean, we're born needing all this brain development, all this physical development. And so basically she showed me my intuition to a level I never knew I had. And so there was a lot of things I thought I was going to do that I didn't do. There's a lot of things that I feel like if you were to offer all of your child, like all of yourself to your child, it would heal the times that you never got what you needed. 100%. And one of the things that I think a lot of trauma comes from is we, and I'm I'm sure you can relate to this, is we feel like we weren't loved or we weren't enough. Yeah. And it's not that you weren't loved, it's that you weren't loved the way that you needed it. Parents often love the way that they think you need it. The, the way, way that, that society think, is telling The way them that, you, that they... they think you should be. Yeah. And that's different for every child. It's different. You know, I have to I have to make sure that I learn to give Harlow the love that she needs. Otherwise, she's going to find a way to meet it in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And so I've really allowed her to be my greatest teacher. And that in the moments that I feel frustration or I want something to be different or I'm like cooking and now I have to lay down with her, sit with her and completely stop my day. I'm like, how is this a gift for me? Instead of, I like, I feel like this is something parents go through, you know, and it, and it can be, parenting is challenging. Parenting brings up all your own stuff. It's, it, it can be, you know, tiring. It can be taxing. It can be emotional. But you regulating your own emotions is what teaches your child to regulate their emotions. If we suppress, if we react, our child yeah. learns to suppress, they learn to react. And so... That's how I brought it in with Harlow as I was like, how can these, how can each moment heal me? How can every time I'm frustrated, I can release my frustration, process my emotion and show her how to do that. Never suppress my emotion so she doesn't see it. She thinks I'm always okay. But show her how, that I can breathe through it, that I can feel it, that I can cry, that I can journal, that I can pray to, pray to God and that she can be a part of the process. And then how can I also be 100% all in for her? So if she needs help falling asleep, if she you needs help... I'm there. 
You know, I one thing that I never want to teach my child is that my love is conditional or that when it's convenient for me. I never want her to think that I only parent during the daytime and not at the nighttime. That I'm only there for her during the daytime. I'm not there at nighttime because my sleep is more important. I don't ever want to teach her that yeah. my love is conditional or it's transactional. It's it's always there for her. I will always be there for her even when I'm tired or when I'm emotional. And so that's how I brought my healing into my parenting. So I'm just curious because I don't have kids. At the stage of, of children when they can't speak mm-hmm. but they are crying, crying, crying and they can't speak, they can't tell you what's wrong, Yeah. would you then get down on her level and like how do you handle that? It depends on what age. I mean, like, now with Harlow... She can say something. She, she she actually talks so much. Like, people don't even believe she's two because of how much she talks and how her sentences are just like... Honestly, today I was like, Harlow, are you 30? And she's like, no, Mom, Auntie's 30. I was like, how do you even know that? <laughs> um, she's freaking cute. Yeah, she's so funny. But, so I mean, like, Harlow didn't cry very much as a baby. And I had people comment on it. Um, One of the things that my midwife said, because my midwife was with me for a long time because I had so many problems and she was so supportive, was she said that, like, well, she's not crying because she's getting her needs met. And when she's not getting her needs met is when she'll cry because that's the only way they can communicate is I need something, I don't know how to get it, so I'm going to cry. And, I mean, I, I know that there can be issues that can obviously cause a child to cry, like physically or you know, like colic or anything like that. But again, they're, they have something that needs to be fixed or needs to be resolved, and that's why they're crying. But now, I, I mean, as she got older, what I learned was I never I never got frustrated when she was a baby when she would cry or when she would um, have anything that was like a struggle. But I noticed that now that she is older, when she has really big emotions, I, I can feel how I was treated Yeah. Um, when I had big emotions. And so sometimes that causes me to like have my own stuff come up and I have to like, okay, I got to regulate my own emotions so that I can be grounded for her. Mm-hmm. And so I don't... Do I, am I perfect and I mastered this? Absolutely not. But it's like something that I'm committed to doing and to becoming better at it. Do I make mistakes? Yes. And I'm continually like, I just, I will always show up to doing the work because I, I want her to have that version of me. And so I do the best that I can in these moments. But what I do is I get onto her level. So if she, she's obviously littler than me, so I get on my knees or I lay down beside her and I will sometimes when she has big emotions and if I like touch her and she like hits my hand away or she says no and then I'll talk to her and she doesn't want me to talk I don't talk I just look at her and I hold space for her to move through her emotion and then usually once her emotions complete when she's like released enough she'll come and sit with me or she'll come cuddle me I never force physical contact when she doesn't want it and then I also will when she's done crying I'll ask her like what she needs or what I can get for her or what I can do for her. And then I will also look at her in the eyes. So I'll hold space for her. If she says, don't look at me, then I look away. Like, I always listen to, like, what she's guiding me. Because your child will guide you into it. But it's just honestly being present for them. Like, being fully present for them in their emotion. And you being regulated. Yeah. Like, you not being in your emotion. You not screaming. You not yelling. You not, yeah, and just being present. Like, honestly, all we need, all of us. All of us is everyone. We need presence. Yeah. Someone to just witness you and allow you to be you exactly as you are not try and change it so I don't try and change her emotion I let her move through it I honestly love that so much and I actually think that you and Jesse whether it's a podcast or whatever form creativity that you feel projecting yourself out there but I really think you both should talk about 
parenting. Do you already? And I just missed that. (laughs) Uh, But I really think you do because you as a family are a great reflection to what society isn't. (laughs) And um, I love that. (laughs) So yeah, you guys should just put something out there that like people can listen to and just gain a little bit different perspective. I appreciate On how to do things. Thanks. Okay, the last few questions I wanted to, to talk about really quick was, this might be actually, a, this is a loaded question, but we'll just go with it, okay. is everything going on right now in the world mm-hmm. of 2021, it's, it's different everywhere in the world, but we, where we are, whatever. What do you do on a daily basis to practice just keeping your light, keeping within, and not letting external sources out there affect you or... Well, I feel... I go through a lot like I I and I'm sure that if you have empaths or anyone who's very intuitive that listens to your podcast when you feel the world's pain it's not easy so I mean I don't sit here and like being like oh don't worry I'm all like I'm all love and light and I think that sometimes too like we talked about the darkness and how going through your own healing is dark the world is going through healing and we're like in the pit we're like in the dark fiery flaming I feel pit that of 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 fear and of control and of darkness and so sometimes it sucks me in but one of the things that I honestly encourage everyone to do is one of the thing okay it's important to have awareness it's important to know what is going on but it's also essential that you guard the gate of the mind so you guard the information that's being penetrating your beautiful little consciousness yeah and what happens is fear pollutes the spirit and then when people feel fear and other people don't feel the same fear as them you don't why don't you feel the same way as me we project anger and anger and hate and and all of this can be very dangerous and very volatile when unregulated when unprocessed and so i guard the gate of my mind I put my phone on airplane mode. I, I I will allow myself to to find out what's going on, to know what's happening, but I never listen to the news because it makes me want to vomit. I yeah. I will put things that nourish my mind instead of pollute my mind. So I will listen to a podcast. I will listen to music that is spiritual. And if you're wondering what that is, download Trevor Hall. Oh, he's the best. Um, I will listen to like instrumental music, like healing frequencies. I will sing myself I will pray I will meditate I will color pictures with my daughter I will I will do things that nourish me instead of take from me and so one of the things that I think everyone needs to do in regards to whatever's happening in the world but everywhere else what are the things that that are you engage in that you participate in that take from you instead of give to you instead of contribute to your life Guard the gate of your mind, control what you're putting into your mind, and breathe. So your breath is what moves energy, it's what expands you. I, uh, last night, I did a cacao ceremony by myself. I, like, lit candles in a circle around me. Jesse went for a run. I had music playing. I drank my cacao. I journaled. And then I meditated. Oh, I love that. And this was when the restrictions were announced and all the stuff that happened. So I'm like literally in this zen, beautiful state because I just and Then you get this, this like on your phone. And and people are messaging me. Like my phone blew up being like, did you hear? What, how are you feeling? What are you doing? And like I had all these people reach out to me. I could imagine you did. And so I literally put my phone on airplane mode 
And then I like, like right now what I'm doing is I'm really focusing on what I'm creating. So I've determined that I decide where my, that I'm powerful and that I get to create my dreams. And it's easy in this world right now to play small. It's easy in this world to let them take your power away or to what's happening, take your power away. And so I really am conditioning and I'm like training myself. Like I want you to think that you know how people condition and train themselves like bodybuilders or like these crazy yep. like what are those things called? That like powerlifters. They condition themselves to this level of strength where it doesn't waver. Yeah. And so I am conditioning them, yeah. myself every day spiritually. So my I condition my mind, I condition my spirit, I condition my breath, and I'm taking it to a new level that I never have before because this is what the world is requiring, okay? So if you don't have a spiritual support system, which is also why our community is so essential right now, is if you don't have, and you're not conditioning yourself daily, it will feel like these things can take you out. It will feel like the world has your power. It will feel, and so right now I am conditioning myself spiritually in a way that I never have before. So I would encourage people to, you know, nourish your mind with spiritual content or content that uplifts you and inspires you. To and that's what you mean by like, taking it to next level. It's yeah, pretty much what you did last night. Uh, yeah, like instead of doing anything else, like instead of being like, oh, um, I'm gonna go watch TV. I'm gonna watch TV. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do breath work and I'm gonna meditate and then I'm gonna journal and then if I feel like watching a show before bed, sure. But that takes precedence over me yeah. having any other thing come forth. Yeah. Being in nature, go outside, okay? Yes. And when you when I say be in nature, I don't mean like just your street where all those houses are. Like immerse yourself deep into the river valley, into trees, into the mountains or wherever you can go so that you can allow that to heal you. Because also what happens is nature pulls energy and transmutes it and heals you. That is so the truth. So I would say do that. Do some breath work. Your breath moves energy. It expands your aura. It purges and releases things. What you can do is you can take your power back by how you take care of yourself. We're living in a world where everyone's talking about health. So what are you doing to take your health to the next level? Are you going to like, how can you move your body in a way that expands you? That isn't like in an unhealthy way that's like overtraining or overexertion or over dieting. It's nothing about diet. It's like, how can you move your body intuitively? That makes you, is that dancing? Is it walking? Is it, what way can you take care of yourself? How can you nourish your body in ways that is going to empower you and uplift you instead of take from you? Yeah. I think that's really important that keywords is like empowering and, and lifts you up because I know for a lot of people and that messaged me with the whole restrictions that came out is that people are feeling like whomever is taking life away from them, but do the things that you need to do that literally makes you feel like you're on top of the world, mm-hmm. your own world. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important. And I know for the people that follow you and or will be working with you, it's always nice to hear from for somebody that you admire and look up to because I could imagine how much your phone was blowing up. Because I look up to you, I was like, I wonder what she's doing because <laughs> I need some insight here. You're actually, you messaged me, but you messaged me like a beautiful message in comparison yeah. to what everyone else was saying. Yeah, <laughs> and just because, I think just because, honestly, because I've worked with her so many times and I know what I need to do. So I journaled for two hours and cried a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think it was really important. But overall, I, I just really appreciate you taking the time to be on my podcast because you are somebody that I do look up to you're a dear friend of mine and you have shown me the ways that I can change my life as well and I think that for the people that 
are listening that have never worked with Amber, have no idea who she is, I hope this is a great insight to know that she really truly has some special gifts that she can change your life or show you how you can change yours. And as far as I'm concerned, everybody needs to know that about you because, and everyone just needs to be involved in your community because it truly is the best place in my world right now. I'm just incredibly grateful for, for you and everything in your family and, and, and all of the things that you do. So thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in, and we will definitely see you in the next one.